Welcome to It's Not That Deep with me, Lucy Woods, a mindfulness teacher, and me, Adrienne Kirk, a psychotherapist. Every episode, we discuss navigating the messiness of everyday life. We know it's a big subject, but we will do our best to discuss it lightly and make some sense of it all. In this episode, we're going to be talking about why do we chase happiness? And my first thought with that is because it feels good. It does. Well, that's exactly it, isn't it? That's what we're wired to do. Absolutely. To chase happiness. Yes. So that we procreate or don't starve uh, because that's yeah primarily what those pleasure centres are for. Yeah. And of course, what we've done with our brave new world is generalise that to all sorts of things and... Um, and I can't be the only person to, you know, kind of shiny things. Oh, definitely. Shiny <laughs> object syndrome. Anything that gives us that dopamine hit. Yeah. And it could be physical objects or, I don't know, drugs, drink, food. Yeah. We attach all sorts of temporary pleasure um, to external stuff, don't we? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't last long. No, it doesn't. It, it it's so fleeting, isn't it? And 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 then it becomes addictive, right? So then we chase that dopamine hit and chase and chase and chase. And, and we've confused that yeah. with happiness. Yes. We think that that moment of feeling a whoosh of pleasurable chemicals, which I suppose all, is all it is, isn't mm. it? That that feeling, that's happiness, and then we're on a constant chase for more of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which we are doomed to fail at because because we've evolved that whole system has evolved to be fleeting right yeah. so so that we would seek more food so yeah. that we wouldn't just go hey i'm happy i ate cherries and yeah. <laughs> no exactly we're not wired for happiness at no. all we're wired for survival and that was part of the survival strategy yeah to go and procreate so that the species would continue and to keep ourselves alive as long as possible through eating but predominantly avoiding danger and a yes. lot of that stuff is unpleasant you know the, the pleasure stuff was quite small uh, in, in a sort of ratio to all the times we're hiding from saber-toothed tigers or building shelters because there's storms coming or something you know it, we live our lives in a a lot more kind of anxiety and fear and you know seeking safety yes. is a bigger driver Absolutely. And MRI studies show that the dopamine hit uh, dissipates really quickly, yeah. whereas the adrenaline anxiety hit lasts a whole lot longer. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so you're right. There, there is that evolutionary uh, imperative, right, that, uh, that, that what, we're, what we're actually doing is trying to escape from danger to stay safe and then we have massively privileged this feeling of happiness because it feels good yeah and of course we we experience unpleasant emotions all the time yeah and we feel unsafe especially if you have anxiety you know hello um we feel unsafe too often or we feel unpleasant too often we feel sad we feel angry we feel you know whatever it might be so this constant seeking of happiness is to avoid yeah. the unpleasant emotions. We've talked about that plenty of times, haven't we? But I really think we've misunderstood. Because we're not technically at, in imminent danger, mm. as often as we would have been once upon a time, any unpleasantness 
we're seeking to avoid yeah. because we can really easily get a quick fix whether it's telly or social media or food sex drugs and rock and roll yeah new handbag new handbag <laughs> that, might, that might just be me <laughs> yeah well i know lots of people it can be shoes or hand. it's weird actually my i don't i don't have a sort of shopping thing but uh yeah i'm sure it's other things mm. that, um in which i seek pleasure maybe build a glass of gin and tonic um <laughs> but there's certainly that sense that and we see it all the time. It's been conflated, is that the right word, by social media? It's been exaggerated to have experiences yeah. being the epitome of happiness and that we have to constantly be making memories, having these like big, enormous, grandiose kind of moments Yes. in order to feel happy. Absolutely. And, and because what social media does is present us with a curated version of other people's lives we only get we only get to see those moments of happiness right so then it looks like they're always like that so we could we too could achieve that if only we could be more like them so if we had the house and the car and the job and the exposure and the shiny things right then then we too would just be happy but we can't be that's just it's not a it's not a state we can we can maintain and it it strikes me that there'll be people that are unhappy because they're constantly chasing it and they don't feel happy even though they start to get all the things and then there'll be another lot of people who think those things are completely unattainable so they're sitting in unhappiness with this kind of impossible dream of of being like that but neither is happy because actually those people that are putting the curated version that seem to have all the things they're not necessarily happy either absolutely well and lots of us have had that sensation right that that we booked a holiday to have something to look forward to so we've we've outsourced our happiness to something in three months time and when we get there yes there's that sort of moment of happiness but then our our feeling is and but then I'm going home and I'm going back to my life and 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 it's all about to slip away. So we don't even experience it as as unalloyed happiness when we get to it. Yeah, I mean that it's interesting, isn't it? Because as soon as we're in the happiness, we're thinking about because we know yeah when it's going to end. It yeah. is going to end because it always does. And I'm even thinking about people that have everything. And then still, for example, take their own lives. Yeah. You look at people that have every, you know, wealth, or, or, you know, all the all the money needed to buy everything they wanted, mm-hmm. every holiday they want, or whatever. Still taking their own lives. Yeah. Still, in, and and the world goes, what? How can yeah. this be? But of course. It makes perfect sense, right? Because if you're not happy on the inside, if you're not comfortable with who you are and 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 how you show up in the world, then no amount of glittery stuff stuck on that is going to make you feel any better, right? And you know, I have, I, whenever clients say, "Oh, I, I just want to run away, I just want to escape," you know, I, I kind of say the thing with that is that you take you with you, right? So you yeah. know that that. But wherever you go, there you there are. You are. Yeah, that's the John Cabot-Zinn book, you know. It, and, and I'm struck by the fact that these, those of us, we all do it to mm. a certain extent, don't we, that 
we're chasing that outside stuff or we're running away from the unpleasant. I've certainly had that feeling numerous times. I want to change something, job, partner, whatever it might be, to in order to feel better. Hmm. There's also another layer that's around what we look like. Yes. So that could be saying, well, that is change, you know, me being happy with who I am or not. Um, so we might, I don't know, undertake some kind of surgery or dramatic weight loss or whatever and still find we're not happy because it's a layer deeper than that. We're talking, I, I'm talking, I, yeah, you're nodding, so yeah. you agree with me. Absolutely. This sense of being okay with who we are on the inside mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Yes. Yeah. Having a, a, a relationship with the person we are that is friendly yeah. and accepting and caring. Absolutely. And I think I think sometimes changing something can help, right? So so if if your job is making you really unhappy, if it's a very toxic environment and you know and it and it's really depleting, changing that can take you back to your natural self. But but it's only going to take you back to how you are without those in external influences yeah. right so so you're absolutely right if if you're comfortable with that and there's something external pressing on it then happy days changing the external will make a difference yeah. but if you're not if we, if we aren't happy with who we are you know and lots of us most of us all of us yeah. have had at least an ex experiences of not feeling happy with ourselves of, of feeling okay yeah, I think I think the majority of people I meet are not a hundred percent happy with who they are, no. whether it's physically or internally. We both work with a lot of people that have like a, a very harsh inner critic. We yes. talked about this um, previously before, and I can speak firsthand for that. You know, really harsh internal experience. That was the source of my unhappiness mm. more than anything else. Was that really kind of inner conflict? So yeah. no, although leaving a job that I hated was a wonderful thing, it certainly changed um, my ability to be a bit happier until the work was done on the relationship with myself. Yeah. Then no amount of shiny things, good jobs, you know, best partner in the world, which of course I have. Um, none of that was going to make as much difference as making sure that I was okay with who I am. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's really hard, right? Because we have to then look at ourselves, right? And I think there is, I guess there is, from my sort of psycho psychology background, there is a, there is a, basic set of requirements right that no matter how you know how much work you do on yourself if you don't have those then it's it's hard to to be in a good place and those those basic requirements are safety right so mm. having a roof over your head that feels secure yeah. um having enough food being able in the world we've created having enough money to be able to survive keep, to survive yeah. right and once we have those so I, I just wanted to kind of caveat that, yeah, no, really. It's I think it's we important. were talking about this before. Yeah. With, with people may be familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If not, look it up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. But, but so, so once that bottom layer is, 
is satisfied, I think I think you're right. At, at that point, you know, it is possible to to work on where our barriers are. And for, you're right, for lots of us, that's a, that's an inner critic, right? It, it is the voice we hear that's getting in our way, and we've 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 talked about that in a in a previous episode. And you've reminded me of this. A film that someone made about happiness I bring it into the kids mindfulness course but I think it actually could probably it's worth everybody watching and it's a video where one of the people he meets on his filming is this guy called Manoj Singh who lives in a slum in India you know he but he does have a shelter albeit not one that we would necessarily think was safe and secure but in his world it's perfectly adequate he does have a job um, running a rickshaw he has a wife and children whom he loves and a community that supports each other so even though he's to us got nothing he feels i mean i think that you, you know rich in experience of, of because those yeah. first few rungs of the hierarchy of needs are actually met so even though comparatively he has very little he does have those first few needs yes. met, which does enable them to measure his sense of happiness. And actually, when it's really worth having a watch of the film because when they compare him to the average, average American, he is at least as happy. Mm. Yeah. Because, because he has those things kind of ticked off. Yeah, it's really interesting because the, so there's, there's, there's lots of research that sort of backs those things up as well. You know that... the. the the incremental income thing as well where where we get happier as we get richer but only to a certain point and I think it's about seventy thousand dollars that's now, an interesting yeah. but, but last time I looked at it was it was 50 but yes, that was that was exactly. some time ago. I know I've recently updated <laughs> my uh, my knowledge of that and then after that we don't get any happier right so so money does not buy us happiness um so we need enough to satisfy those basic needs in whatever society yeah. we're in and I think one of the things that you just said about Manoj Singh is that is that community, right? So what psychologists would call social support, so that that network of people um, that is so important to us as as human beings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and 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 I think that's one of the things. And actually, we've just talked about this in a previous podcast, haven't we? That's one of the things that can really interrupt how we feel about ourselves um in in our modern world if we're lacking if we're lacking in those in that in those supports yeah Yeah. and we've got social media which makes us so connected and yet often disconnected by the fact that this curated version of people's lives is not real yeah i was talking to someone the other day who said you know not on social media the, the idea of of uh, of friends, you know, having this many friends, but but that word not meaning the same as she would understand by a friend, yeah. and and that's quite right. And and I guess it's interesting, isn't it, that those words get used by design. I'm sure. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, but it doesn't mean the same thing, and it and and it's hard to it's hard to remember that, and probably much harder for younger people, right, who then conflate those ideas of friendship, and then those people aren't there for them, you know, they're not, it's not the same thing as real connection. connection. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, yeah, yeah, one thing you were saying earlier that, that struck me when we were talking about was also this idea that we can get the things and they give us that fleeting happiness, but let's say we were talked about driving an Audi or mm. something, 
Um, there's two things about the Audi. One, that I saw something the other day where someone said to them, why do you drive an Audi? Why do you like having the Audi? Oh, I like the car and the way it drives. And, and this interviewer questioned whether actually what they liked was the way they felt about the way they thought that the other people would view them yeah. for owning an Audi. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, we often have a mm. sense of value in our status or how we're viewed. You know, that that is quite important to us. And uh, social media yeah. has kicked that right up the backside. Absolutely, yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because that's sort of borne out by the car analogy, is kind of borne out by the fact that, that the same chassis can be used by a... a, a, a a, t- a top end mark and a and a more basic one, so it's the same car with a different badge on it. hundred percent. And the and so the true. and there is one that's one of them is more expensive, and that's because it's more sought after, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. which I think is really interesting because that does say, you know, that is simply about the status then of what that what that means about what we think other people will read into us you know, if we have that rather than yeah. something, you know. Yeah, oh, it's it's like uh, the difference between pride and vanity. Yeah. Like yeah. pride, uh, I, I think, is it in Pride and Prejudice that this is actually, so I think it is, where they talk about pride being how you kind of view yourself, but vanity being how you want to be viewed by other people. Um, yes. So there's that kind of difference in those two in those two words. Yes. And also that once we bought the Audi, we're soon like maybe we feel, oh, I've, I've made it. I am an Audi driver and I've achieved this sense of status. But then after a while, because that becomes the norm, yeah. then there's the pleasure from driving the Audi now doesn't exist anymore because it's just normal to drive an Audi. So now I need to maybe get a Porsche or I need to, to have some other thing that's going to... I'm going to chase the next high yeah. kind of thing, whether that's a level or a dopamine high, it's the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it tails off really quickly, right? Once it's once it's normal, once it's your once it's your your normal, then yeah, yeah then, so then all it's... these things that are aspirational mm. suddenly become actually standard. Yeah, and once they're standard, there's no pleasure. No, no, because it's not like oh, I've got a you know extension or whatever. Well, it's that paradox, isn't it? You know, once. Once you've acquired it, it's no longer aspirational because yeah. you've got it. Yeah. So aspirational is something that you haven't yet got. God, you have to change your vision board a lot, <laughs> wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, dear. And that, is that what they call the hedonic treadmill? Yes. You're constantly yeah. kind of climbing after the next thing. And, and so it strikes me that what we're doing, well, we've talked about this all the way through, I suppose, but it... it this grasping after what is ultimately a fleeting thing we need to wake up really to that Mm. we need to recognize that that's what's happening and we're always talking about awareness and noticing it but we really kind of have to hold quite an honest mirror up to ourselves and say why why am i doing this is it going to bring me happiness and if it is you know how long is it really going to last and then what yes and is this it's like constantly sticking plasters over the cracks and actually perhaps we need to kind of look a bit deeper at the wound yes and recognize that that there's that itch we perhaps can't scratch in ourselves that we're trying to fill with shiny object syndrome that actually is a reflection of something that is a bit more of a deep-seated 
unsatisfactoriness or unhappiness yes. or suffering or whatever you want to call it, um, that that might be the thing, that might be the key. Absolutely. And for some people, that's, you know, that's going to be a lot of work. And, and for others, it, it, you know, I think for lots of us, it's, it's, a, it's still a lot of work, right, to, to get to a level of acceptance of ourselves, you know, as long as, as, as long as we are being true to our values and we're showing up in the way, you know, we think is right, then that has, that has a value for us, right, and, and, a, much, and a much more deep-seated value. Yeah, and I've struck my conversation I had with my child the other day, but when he started senior school, he's a bright boy, and he'd done really well at primary school, and he got into a good school, and in that first year, he started to really struggle because he was getting, like, a B in maths, and he was the bottom of the class, mm. and he suddenly started to feel like a failure, and it, just this whole kind of skewed perspective on, on his sort of academic status and whatever but as the parent who had been quite like keen to support his academic achievements I was at a parents evening and I looked around the room and with this very unhappy child that I had so all these parents kind of going me 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 to the teachers me 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 to the children and I suddenly thought oh what do I want for my child more than anything does he need to achieve or do I right now in this state of unhappiness that he's in I'd give anything for him to to not achieve but be happier and I took my foot right off the gas we had this conversation yesterday in the car because actually I suddenly got this really important shift on the values yeah you know and that my values were wrong to think that he needed to achieve I got I suddenly got this perspective that I was miserable and just because you're bright or academic doesn't necessarily make you happy mm. so would I have rather kind of I know, gone travelling and not, you know, done the academic stuff. Maybe, and I just thought, wow, do what, you do you is what I thought, and and I think that it was easy to get that perspective in seeing someone else unhappy. Yes. But we often don't get it on ourselves. No, no, we don't. You know, and if we can get that step back to go, hold on, mm-hmm. all this stuff that's bringing me holidays and Audis and whatever, all this striving and all this striving to achieve. Yeah. Is it genuinely feeding my soul? I don't know if we've got a soul just before people think I do. I have no idea. But does it bring me joy? Any any real sense of pleasure? And that connecting with what brings us joy, I think, is is really important. So if we sort of try and take the happiness off the table yeah. and think, you know, what what brings me joy? And we've we've talked about this before, right? That first cup of tea for me in the morning with the cats outside before, you know, before the house wakes up, or you know, whatever it is. You know, my garden is bringing me deep joy at the moment. You know, um, whatever it is for us, can we? Can we really experience those moments without thinking, oh, when in a moment it'll be autumn and it'll all die? And you know, <laughs> <laughs> so easy. To I know, that, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, we're always chasing the holiday yeah. or the next weekend or whatever. And actually, if we can find, or if we can recognise that our days are full of moments. Yes, exactly. Some of them are pleasurable, some of them are unpleasant. And some of them are neutral. And some of them are neutral. And actually, we've talked about this many times, the neutral stuff, often overlooked or ignored, it's not unpleasant. No. And therefore, 
that registers higher than unpleasant, maybe even pleasant. You know, putting on a jumper when we feel cold. Yeah. Getting into bed at the end of the day. These, these small moments, if we recognise them and, like you say, experience them, that makes a difference to our sense of well-being. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, that thing you just said about a, a, a day, a week, a month, a life being made up of moments is so important because you know, we both work with people who are in distress, right? So they will say things like, my holiday was ruined by an argument or, you know, my weekend was was destroyed by my child falling off their bike or whatever it is, right? Rather than, that was another moment. There were, there were pleasurable moments and there were neutral moments and there was that moment. But, but can, they, can they all coexist yeah. rather than one obliterating all the others? Yeah. No, that's interesting. Do you remember I spoke on a previous podcast about coming home and finding there was an incident? Yeah. Well, I said, oh, it's just spoil our holiday. And then I went, no, it hasn't. It was just a moment. It's just a moment. I'll yeah. deal with it. But I caught myself. It's mm. a kind of catastrophizing yes. in reverse, kind of, you know, backwards catastrophizing. Yeah. Um, and I, but I caught it and thought, no, I'm going to not choose to have that be the ruiner. This moment was an unpleasant one. <laughs> The rest of them were very pleasant, so I'll, I'll keep that. Yeah, so I think that acceptance is really helpful. And, and, and that really, I think, I think valuing the neutral is, is, for me, feels so important, life-changing. You know, that, that that kind of, for me, it feels like that kind of solid base from which I can experience more yeah absolutely I, I I'm, I'm a I'm a real fan of 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 steadiness so that I can experience highs and lows mm. and 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 be okay with both of those things right and this is a word and you made me a gift with this word on it that we've discussed a lot which is the word ease mm. like for me Striving for happiness is, is, is an impossible thing. What do they say? It's like a butterfly. The more you chase it, like the more elusive it is. But the possibility of just living life with a bit more ease, in that there's a lot of pleasure. Yes. Because when it's uneasy, it's unpleasant. So to have ease, which often people would think is neutral, nothing much is happening. Mm. You know, my but days aren't full of kind of fireworks no. and hearts and flowers. But it's a gentle pleasure, right? That's and so and nice. and and learning to learning to really appreciate that. You know, I think I think is really important. So those spotting things to be grateful for, yeah. to be to you know those moments of calm joy. It doesn't have to be fireworks. Yeah. And we spoke earlier, and I mentioned to you this exercise that I've often done yeah. with my clients, to find that and identify it, and it might be something that we leave people with, yeah. is to find those small things to be grateful for by just identifying if we scored ourselves between naught and 10 on how happy we were. Not We need to kind of not be overthinking this, but get a sense of it. Whether it's a low number or not is irrelevant. Um, I trust that people won't give themselves an absolute zero, but people choose a number and then get to sense what is in between naught and the number I gave myself. Why didn't I give myself absolute zero? Yeah. And the little things might pop in then. And that's a genuine sense of feeling grateful for those things in our lives. You know, the people we have or the, the things that we have or the you know, roof over our head that we have just might emerge. 
yeah. rather than going chasing I should be grateful should be happy and I think that's really important yeah I love that exercise I do something very similar with with individual clients yeah and and it's so powerful isn't it because you're right tapping into those things that that we overlook because they because they give us this gentle pleasure you know that 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 there are normal so we don't we don't notice them and properly tapping into noticing them is really powerful yeah yeah and so that's it isn't it if we stop chasing the, I mean, of course we like the odd moment mm. of a dopamine hit now and again, but actually find the pleasure in the steady ease of life. Yes. We might feel happier. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, the perversity of it all. <laughs> Fantastic. That seems like a really great place to end. Thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you. You've been listening to It's Not That Deep with Adrienne Kirk and Lucy Woods. If you've enjoyed listening, then why not subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode?